And it's so much easier said than done to be like, just start. But when you start, like the biggest thing I reckon to having a successful business is the relationships that you build. So it's relationships with clients, the relationship with your team, if you've got a team, the relationship with, you know, banks and managers at banks and all of those things. If you've got this amazing set of relationships around you, then you're going to grow and learn. And then you've also got more people that are going to see it's like really authentic from you. So I reckon one of the best things with being successful in this industry is also not just the marketing. Obviously, we need clients to have a successful business, but is the relationships you build. And that can be interpreted in so many different ways. And I think that's probably one of my biggest bits of advice if you start off. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, welcome to another edition of I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today, I have part two of my conversation with Kate Brandstrove. Also in this episode, I'm going to be talking to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about the all-in-one versus a best-in-class software. So what's better, something that's all-in-one or you know specific tools? Before I jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. Very easy to use. So as they're filling it out, it auto-magically knows exactly what the documents are going to need. It sends it to them. Often people actually have the documents that are filling it out because like most of us, we don't know the answers to those things. And if you make it easy, they just send them to you. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Kate. So what other things have you guys done to help you grow your business so quickly? We've done a few like unique marketing strategies. So I used to have a different business, which was called Inspire Home Loans. And I had that business for a couple of years. And then Victoria approached me and we decided... So what was Inspire Home Loans a mortgage company? Yeah, yeah. Inspire Home Loans was mortgages. And so yeah, Victoria approached me and I guess we realized that, you know, two young females in the finance space, not super common... She had this massive platform of all these people that she could help. I knew how to run a really successful mortgage business because I already had one and knew all the you know foundations of that and running a team and whatnot. So it kind of made sense for us to merge and become one. So Inspire Home Loans was put to rest and that's where Zella Money was born together. And then, yeah, so when I originally had Inspire Home Loans, I started something called First Home Coach on the couch, which sounds super lame. And it was. So I would sit on this couch in my room. It was during lockdowns in COVID. So I couldn't really do much anyway. So I started this strategy where I put on a Hawaiian shirt and I just filmed these educational but fun, probably really lame to some people videos, but people loved it. And so I got a bit of media attention down here in Australia and some like newspaper articles were written up, things like that, just because I was, again, I was 23 years old and I just started up this idea and I built my name up from doing things like that. And so that really helped get my original business off the ground and more word of mouth, more clients. I was coming across quite relatable apparently. So especially younger people wanting to get into the market. So yeah, that really helps. And so I think just some unique marketing strategies like that, that again, I really enjoyed doing. I didn't sit down and go, okay, what's the marketing strategy I can do to get more business? I was like, hey, more people need to learn about how to buy their first home and how to do it and how can I help them and how can I make a difference? And so to me, which is very natural to be like, oh, I'm going to do something that maybe you can sit down and watch that's not hopefully super boring and you're going to get something from it. And then, yeah, from that, I'd obviously get clients and it just kind of spiraled and grew. So, okay, I like that. And so I just found you Zella Money. So it's Z-E-L-L-A Money. And yeah. that's the name of the mortgage company. So this on the couch with the Hawaiian shirt, 
Like how long was the content of that? Was it short form? Was it long form? What was that? It depended. So some of it I would just put on my Instagram stories. Some of it I would put on Instagram as videos. Some of it originally I was putting on YouTube, which it isn't up anymore, I don't think, because I moved to Instagram. I'm not an expert with YouTube. But yeah, so it just depended. It was kind of what came out. If there was new updates or if there was new things for first home buyers to learn, I spoke about who I was, how I bought my first home when I was young. How did I do it? And I think, yeah, naturally people gravitated towards it. And then you got media attention, which also the thing that yeah. I that I pick up on what you're saying is that you did something different to stand out. You didn't just repost like, hey, here's a loan program that you need to be aware of, yeah. which a lot of people do. Like, check out this loan program. People are like, I don't care. Yeah. I yeah. need to like, yeah. connect with a person who can ex- yeah. tell me, explain things to me in a way that I understand. And the fact that you stood out. You know, Seth Godin talks about the purple cow, which is basically yeah. if you're driving down the street, you've probably heard of this story and and you see all these cows, but all of a sudden you see a purple one, you're like, that one's going to stand out. So a 23-year-old yeah. female sitting on a couch with a Hawaiian shirt talking about finance that knows what she's yeah. talking about is like the purple cow. Thing, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. This started. Right. Well, yeah. I'm not calling you a purple cow. But yeah, I agree. Like you do have to stand out. And something I say to my team is when you're having a meeting with a client, think that they've already met with five other mortgage brokers and why would they choose you? Like, why would they want to work with you instead of working with these incredible, I'm sure, other five mortgage brokers? And you have to stand out. Like, what's your point of difference going to be that makes them want to work with you so you can make a difference in their life? It's the same with anything. It's the same with growing a business, standing out, marketing, standing out, because there's so many already out there that what can we do to make ourselves different? To, to stand out. And then the other part is that Victoria obviously found you because you were already in yeah. the lane and hustling. And then now it's yeah. like, hey, we could do this something bigger together. And if you weren't doing that, who knows if you guys would have connected and who knows if you know your business probably wouldn't be where it is. Like it wouldn't look like 100%. it does anyway. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, she stalked me on social media. So people often ask how we met and she literally stalked me on social media. And it's a bit of a joke we have because she stalked me for quite some time. And originally she asked out, like reached out about merging and was dropping the ideas. And I was like, no, like I'm running a successful business. Like it's fine. Cause it was so new. My business was also so new that I wanted to see where it went and how it would grow. And then, yeah, eventually I was like, okay, actually, I really see the difference we can make in people's lives together. And I learned that, you know, there's only so much, you know, and be with somebody else that knows so much as well in different areas together. If we combine that knowledge, it's, you know, could be game changing. Right. You know, if you're getting like 1.4 million downloads a month of podcasts, which is nuts. Once you get a bigger team, the really easy way to market that. What I, I mean, this is just my two bits. I've been podcasting. I don't get that kind of downloads. Mine's very niche. So it's not like it's mortgage people. Right. But is you could run ads on the front and back. It could be like, Hey, this podcast is brought to you by Zella money. You know, we specialize in helping people with mortgages and then the little short ad read is at the front, but then you don't have to talk about yourself at all through the whole podcast. Yeah. yeah and then you definitely. can drop it on the back end. And now anybody listening, for sure, you triple your volume just by yeah. that alone. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. It can make a big difference. We just got to take it slow, I guess, to make it right. slow. And if you use the right well. podcast platform, you can actually dynamically insert the ads. You can record it and drop them in and change them. Yeah. If, you want. So if you have an event coming up, you can put an event on both ends, you yeah. know, and stuff. So it's... Yeah, she's very good with all that stuff. I wouldn't even know how it really works, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so just like quick recap. You started out with, hey, I'm going to initially post stuff. Then I got to put myself on there. Started with stories. Even if you were uncomfortable, it started to become more 
you know, natural for you that mm-hmm. built up a following, which then opened all kinds of doors for you, like this podcast and a partnership with Victoria. And yeah. really the key thing is that you just have to start like for people yeah. listening, you just have to start yeah. like, and you don't know, yeah. you have no idea the doors that are going to get opened or the people that are going to reach out to you just yeah. by starting and then staying with it. And so like, what's your frequency like now on your posting and stuff that you guys are doing on your Zella money. So what's that look like? Is there so many yeah. posts? stories a week what's that look like yeah so zella is the one that we do schedule but at the moment that's only about one a week so we still are taking it quite slow because again we need to juggle the growth of the business and everything else that's going on around it so yes we have a schedule but it could it's be not, okay well that's good <laughs> what is the market like so somebody listening you guys are in australia what's the market like there because like where we are it's definitely down quite a bit is yeah. it the same with you guys Yeah, I think originally they thought the market was going to drop and keep dropping till about the end of the year. And now it's already on the way back up. And I think something that we're learning over here and a lot of people are seeing is that they thought with all these interest rate rises, it would really stop people from buying houses and, you know, put a pause on things for a while. But what we're kind of seeing is if someone wants to buy a house, originally, if they can't buy for, say, 700 and now they have to buy for 600,000 because the borrowing's dropped and whatnot because of the rate rises, they'll still buy if they want to. And so I think, obviously, the more people that are going to inspections, the more interest that properties are having, it's pushing those house prices back up a bit. And the market definitely slowed massively to what we were used to, you know, a year ago, but not as much as I reckon all the experts Thought. Right. That's interesting. Okay. So let me ask some questions about that. So we had a bunch of rate hikes here and then we had a stall and we're coming up to probably, depending on when this comes out, another possible rate hike. Have you guys stopped rate hikes? I don't know if we Bank of Australia, whatever they call it. Have they RBA, stopped yeah. rate hikes or are they, is there still a possibility of more rate hikes? Originally, all the experts thought last month was going to be the last rate hike, so rate increase. And now they're coming out to say that they reckon there'll still be a few more, which I reckon the experts, economists and everything have changed, you know, their opinion quite a bit. There's some that have from the start said the cash rate's going to get up into the fours. There's some that have said the high threes, and that is what we're on track for. So it's definitely been accurate. I think the one last month shocked a lot of people. I think they thought there wouldn't be another rate hike and there was. And I reckon we find out today, actually, if there's going to be another one. So I think everyone's kind of on the edge of their seats, hoping, obviously, that there's not going to be. I reckon they'll pause it for a month whilst they kind of see what's happening with everything, inflation and whatnot. But if there is another one, yeah, it's slowly starting to really, really have an impact on people. So, and, and then next question on that. So what is the average mortgage rate like right now? Of course, this is timestamp, but like if I'm in Australia and I'm an Australian yeah. board, I'm buying yeah. like 20, 30% down. What kind of rates are you looking at? Um, like five and a half percent is kind right. of the average. What's yours? Both around that, you know, just over 5%, depending on the term. Yeah. And so we have terms typically one to five years is most mortgage terms. And then you renew to whatever the new terms are. Do you guys have terms? And if you do, what? how long are they? Yeah, 30 years is stock standard over here. We don't so, have that. Yeah, that's crazy. So how does it work then? If you've got one to five years, what if someone can't renew it? Do they have to sell? Well, usually you've made your payments, the lenders will just renew you, but like, you know, they'll say, oh, here's your new renewal offer. You may not be able to go anywhere else. So like, it could be that you're something lender and it may not be a best offer, but you have to take it. If you take a shorter term, so that let's say if you took a one-year term, it's a little, maybe our two-year term is a little bit lower rate. In two years, interest rate, now you have to go back to the market and find. Yeah. That's Um, crazy. Yeah. I was just for 30 years. So stock standard is like a 30-year loan. And it's just over 30 years. I mean, people refinance and move banks or whatnot after probably a few years each time, obviously, to check that they're still on 
you know, good rights and whatnot. Yeah, 30 years is what you Yeah, so see, Canadian banks hate to lose money. And so they're not going to take a 30-year bet on you and rates go. They're like, you're going on the ride with me, buddy. And if the rates go up, your price goes up. And so yeah. I think Canadian banks are very good at not losing money. And so one of the ways they do that is by these shorter terms. Like in the US, they have long terms like in Australia, but yeah. we don't have yeah. anything like seven years would be long and hardly anybody would take that. Yeah, that's crazy. But do you guys like when you first do the finance, can you do fixed rates or variable rates? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's all the same as here. So we can do a fixed or variable, but again, it's on a term. And at the end of that term, after renegotiate essentially your rate and you get what you get, as I used to say to my kids, you get what you get and you don't get upset. It's yeah. Like, Victoria says that all the time. <laughs> it, it's true. It's like too bad, you know, like, and, yeah. and so it's definitely a different market that way. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. There you go. I can't believe the terms are that different. So any other advice you have for somebody listening to this, that's like, man, I'd like to get my mortgage business going or, mm. you know, it's a harder, it's definitely a harder market than it's been for a lot of people, but any advice you could offer? Um, yeah. I honestly think you like were spot on with saying just start. And it's so much easier said than done to be like, just start. But when you start, like the biggest thing I reckon to having a successful business is the relationships that you build. So it's relationships with clients, the relationship with your team, if you've got a team, the relationship with, you know, banks and managers at banks and all of those things, because you've got this amazing set of relationships around you, then you're going to grow and learn. And then you've also got more people that are going to see it's like really authentic from you. So I reckon one of the best things with being successful in this industry is also not just the marketing. Obviously, we need clients to have a successful business, but is the relationships you build. And that can be interpreted in so many different ways. And I think that's probably one of my biggest bits of advice if you start off. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people, especially if they're newer, they don't realize how important the lender relationships are. I mean, we don't have no yeah. business without the lenders. Like the lenders yeah. are, that's our product. And so you really need yeah. to build good partnerships with them and understand what they need and, yeah. you know, make them happy. And then you can make your clients happy and you can create a great business. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hold on. So where can people find you online if they're looking for you? So my personal Instagram, which is a bit hectic, is craving a saving. And then we've got our business one, which is Azella Journey. And we've also got She's on the Money. Right. So you can go check. We'll put the links in the show notes. And Kate, thanks for coming to chat with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, no, it sounds like you're doing amazing things. And I'm going to go check Thank out the podcast you. as well as I'm going to follow you guys on Instagram. I'm just starting to figure out Instagram. I never never really got into it, but I realized <laughs> I'm like, that's a mistake. It is. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to try. You got to start, Scott. <laughs> you got to just start. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I just got to start. So thanks so much for chatting with me. It's okay. No worries. Hey, hopefully you got some ideas from my conversation with Kate in terms of a social media as well as, you know, short form and long form content. I absolutely love the stuff that I picked up from her and inspired me to improve my own social media platform. Hey, in this upcoming segment, I talked to Tom Hall about comparing a all-in-one tool versus having different unique tools for different parts of your mortgage business. Have a listen and I will check in with you shortly. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So, hey, what topic are we going to jump into today? Yeah, the topic today is a question we get all the time, all the time. I don't know if you actually get this question too, Scott, maybe from some of your agents, but it's when looking down the barrel of all the software options out there, and usually it comes down to kind of two options. People say, okay, well, I'm already using X, and X comes with this feature, so maybe I'll just use the feature as as kind of an add-on. So I call that the all-in-one option. And then people are always comparing that saying, hey, should I do that? Or should I go to, hey, what we call the best in class? So, okay, looking at this feature and this thing I want to do, 
go out, find the best of the best, the number one thing on the entire market, use that, and then, you know, integrate the two of them together, right? So those are usually the two options people are coming to us with saying, hey, what should I really be thinking about? And I just wanted to kind of, you know, give my general thoughts and maybe go through a couple examples of that. Sure, yeah. I mean, my natural instinct on that question is usually the all-in-one product is mediocre at everything. Like, you know, and I've described it in the past, like people, they want the all-in-one tool, but it's like an electrician saying, I want an all-in-one tool. It's got to be a voltimeter, a pair of pliers. It's got to be a screwdriver. It's got to be a hammer. It's like, well, what the heck is it? (laughs) And it does probably doesn't do anything well versus I think that the idea is to have, you probably need three to five decent tools really as a mortgage. And really in our business, you don't need to have a whole lot of overhead to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you need three to five different tools. And ideally they are integratable with each other. So they talk and you're not doing duplication of effort. And there's some, you know, but to me, that makes more sense. You're never going to see a, like a professional in any most trades saying they want one tool for everything. One, one tool to rule them all. Right. Yeah. It does it exist, man. Well, <laughs> and Hey man, this is my one man's opinion. I just think that you can tell me your thoughts too on this. And yeah, uh, but I think yeah. that having a small mix of tools that are best in class that also are communicate with each other is usually optimal, but it's your business running how you want. So give me your thoughts. Yeah, it's how you want. And I think, yeah, just to, the decision's always that, right? Which is okay. I could have this, you know, voltimeter set of pliers, right? That is kind of all in one, maybe doesn't do each of those extremely well, as you're kind of saying. But the trade-off is that you don't have to buy the separate tools, sure. But maybe more than anything, what we see is kind of the cost of those people is to integrate the tools, right? Setting up the zaps or whatever. And that's really what it comes down to. Usually what I say is to say, okay, well, that's what you're trading off, right? The best in class, the thing that's really going to be, you know, the set of pliers, it's very good at being pliers versus, okay, having to go through that effort of maybe integrating those two things. It's a one-time effort, but there is that cost associated with it. So generally what I say, and it's, it's not too different from you is to say, okay, well, look at the thing that you're trying to do. To start with my first example, I would say something like, you know, video conferencing, like a Zoom that we're on right now. And really the question I ask is, is it essential to your day-to-day? And is it how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? And so, you know, Zoom as an example, for a lot of people, they do everything on their phone, right? So don't feel like you have to go out and buy Zoom and integrate Zoom with all your different things because it's not your differentiation. But I know some brokers out there that they run their whole business based on leads that they get from webinars, right? They're running webinars one, two times a week. It's how they do their entire lead funnel. And it's a core to their business. It's their differentiation. So to that person, I say, yes, absolutely. Get Zoom, get the right thing, put in the work to get it integrated, and you're going to be better for it, right? So that's just one example, something like that. Right. I heard a quote recently was talked about like differentiation is actually survival. And right. so you touched on something there, but I would say the only way, thing I would kind of add to what you said is that what is better for the customer? Like forget mm-hmm. about like, you yeah. know, everything should be like, if Zoom, as an example, is a better experience and the, they don't have to figure around with it, use Zoom. Like you should be yep. taking everything from the customer's perspective and going, and the guys that are the best at this, the Alex McFadens and the people who are like crushed tons and tons of mortgages, they always look at their loan process and go, where's friction? Where's confusion? How do I eliminate that? If I keep doing that, my business will just get better and better and better. And if there's some cost to you know some of these specific tools, so what? If it's going to mm-hmm. help me. So differentiation, yes, but also what is the client experience like? And to me, yeah. that's super important. We do things on our side from a broker's perspective. It's actually a bit of a pain in the ass yeah, for us. Right. But from yeah. our agent's perspective, it's easier for them. And so I'm like, I want to be like the duck 
that's on the top of the surface that looks nice and smooth underneath we're the underneath ah. we're like we're running all like crazy like wow this is great we're like yeah it's no problem and we're like whoa, whoa, whoa. and so for right. me it's all about the customer experience and i think a good mortgage broker the pop mortgage brokers know this intuitively or certainly they would articulate this and then they're going to make decisions based on their tools what's going to be best for their customer that's my right Right. And if you're looking at these tools and it's a pendulum, right? It's like, okay, more work for me or maybe more of a pain for me, like that duck under the water versus maybe more pain for the customer. You know, how you weight that thing should be take, so much. Take more of the pain. Take as much as yeah, you Yeah, take it all. Why I say that too is because, well, yes, it's more pain, but this is your business, right? This is the job. This is you're doing hundreds of these a year, right? If you're a good, well, you know, you're doing a lot of them, right? And so with that in mind, you can build processes. And even though it's difficult, you can you know, do something around that. Whereas, you know, the customer, maybe this is their first time they're ever doing a mortgage, right? A lot of times it is, right? So to put that work on them, they don't have a process built around this. They're figuring it out for the first time. So the more you, you can take on you. Five to whatever many years, like, so like, don't make it hard on them. Like make yeah. it really easy for them. And so I would say that whenever you're looking at these tools, which is why back to the Franken products, you know, the Frankenstein product, that's like, you know, yeah, a bit of everything. It's like, yeah, yeah. usually the customer experience is not awesome. Like the mm -hmm. customer experience is not well thought through. And even on the broker side, it's not awesome. And so I think best in class with yeah. as much seamless integration as possible is my thought. So okay, yeah. what's the next kind of yeah. thought you have on this idea? Well, yeah, I think just to maybe kind of rattle through a couple more examples, probably things that are, I'd say, top of mind for people or brokers for sure. So Zoom was a simple example, but I'd say that the next one that people often think about just kind of the deal submission process, right? So I kind of view that as everything from taking an application to collecting docs to submitting to lender to get an approval, right? That kind of side of things. And, you know, there's kind of the big three or four or five platforms out there that do it. And I, what I say to people in this case, you know, is again, more so leaning towards best of class in this case, because if you go back to my kind of original thing, it is something you're doing every single day. It does very much so affect the client experience. So that would be an area for sure where I'd say, hey, try to find truly that best in class because, hey, if you're doing it, you know, 10% better, but you're doing it every single day, well, that 10%, it's extrapolated over 365 days. It adds up pretty quick, right? So that's my kind of opinion on that next type of software, I would say. Yeah, to me, the mission software is an integral, like that is, yes. that's huge. And that's usually tied to the application, which goes back to what's easiest for the customer. Again, what is going to make it easy for the customer? That should be your priority and then work backwards from there. And then yes, you know, deal submission has to have a 99% uptime. Otherwise, like you can't have it interrupting your business. I saw recently one of the other softwares went down the other day. We're doing a live call. I'm like, oh, people are coming to the live call because the software's down. I'm like, oh, no. Hey, whatever. Like, you know, we didn't plan that. But like, true, yeah. You know, so yeah. if you have software that's going down or causing issues, then it affects your ability to do your business. Again, back to the, I don't mind being the duck feet under the water, but I also right. don't want to have the duck feet under the water with like a lead weight tied on them because the product is actually like, you know, dragging me under, like he's got cinder blocks on his feet and you're like, why the heck is that duck looking? It's drowning, you know? Why is he going in circles? Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, so yeah, video conferencing, uh, think about that. I think you're right. There's certain pieces of technology that you absolutely, you'd have to have, you want to for sure aim at, which I think submission. Yeah. I think even something as simple as like really high speed internet, like when I've done some yeah, sure. traveling yeah. and I stayed at an Airbnb and we're trying to work and if the Wi-Fi sucks or the internet sucks, it's really hard to work. Like, yeah, I've heard of some brokers who will actually, you know, they've got little cottages that they'd work out of and they've been buying these Starlink satellites, which has been working. Oh, yeah. Well. So like, yeah, again, yeah. goes back to like this person spending like 150 bucks a month. But for them to be able to a go to the cottage, spend time with their family is important. But B, 
poor internet service is going to create poor customer experience and make you work less, yeah. way less effectively. So they'll invest the 150 bucks a month to have this you know, right. satellite internet, which I think is worth doing if that's something that yeah. is important. Yeah. When do you not use the internet in your job now? For me, it's just about every second, right? Even if I'm on a phone call, I'm typing things into my CRM, right? I'm doing it. So again, if you're going to get 10% quicker or 20% quicker, but you're doing it all month or all year or your entire career, how much does that 10 to 20% add up over the time? It becomes a no brainer. So absolutely. And then, yeah, Scott, just the last thing, just to bring it home a bit, just to kind of bring it back to us and what we do with the last kind of piece of technology I want to touch on, obviously, is the CRMs. And, you know, what I always say, again, being honest with it is saying, okay, well, is CRM now you want it to be a big part of, you know, your business, right? If you're someone who says, not really, I just send my network provided newsletter once a month, maybe not, right? Maybe you stick with the all-in-one and, and maybe that's fine for you, right? But, you know, for those people out there who want a system to manage their day-to-day, -to, -day, to manage their team, to get smart with their types of automations, different things that they're doing on their client journey, then yeah, that's really where something like a blue becomes that much more important. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and I know some brokers that do a pile of mortgages that run extremely efficient operations using blue. Yeah, huge fans of what you guys have put together in terms of making the CRM part of it. I mean, if you don't have a CRM, I don't know what to say to you, honestly, in 2023. I'm like, you need to stop listening to this podcast and go find something else to do. Go and drive Uber. Because uh, like, even if to start, if you're brand new, I'm not making fun of you, brand new. If you're brand new, start with a spreadsheet. Like you could- Yeah, exactly, need, right? You yeah. need the data. And eventually, if you have a spreadsheet, like programs like Blue, you can ingest that all in there, right? So it's not like yep. it's- just don't, you know, the most common when I talk to experienced brokers and I'm like, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what's the three things you tell yourself? It's in this order. Number one is usually I didn't hire soon enough. People tend to be control freaks. And the second is I should have had a CRM. I should have kept track of my past files because it's a mess. And so like, yeah. honestly, if everybody from the future came back and told you the same thing, then maybe you should listen to it. Maybe you should, <laughs> you know what, maybe. And I'm telling you, a spreadsheet is fine to start. And then is, as yeah, your business sure. is more sophisticated and you want to create a better customer experience, Blue Mortgage is a perfect example of a tool that can do that for you. And it talks to different programs and stuff. So you got the integration piece. So Tom, any final last thoughts on this whole idea? No, I think we covered it all, right? And I think it just kind of a matter of taking a look at, hey, what do you want to do, right? With your tool, you know, you're going back to the electrician. Do you want to wire some things? Do you want to turn on a light bulb? What do you want to do, right? That starts. And then say, based on what you want to do, is that, differentiation for you specifically from the customer's perspective, right? So not just about your day-to-day -day operations, but what does it mean for the customer? And if the answer is yes, then, hey, go with the, I think we're calling it the duck, the best in class, right? And then, you know, if it's something that isn't necessarily there, it just needs to be there, then, hey, maybe the Franken product is okay too, right? Because I do see people having success with that for kind of these, you know, secondary type functions. So I think we did a good job summarizing it. Yeah. And the last thing I'd say on that is it tends to happen sometimes is when people try to build an all-in-one product, but what the challenge is, is that if you've ever seen one of those like universal remotes and it's like, <laughs> oh, we've got to add this and this. And by the time you're done, you're like, I just want to change the volume. I don't like, and I'm looking on this, like, where is the correct volume for this and that? And so sometimes products, because they just start to bloat and because you start to add too many things, it gets like that. And then you compare that to like an Apple remote, which is like, like two really buttons, slick, right? right? It's yeah, like two yeah. buttons, like it's extremely intuitive. And so you got to think about this stuff. Like I, I even think about when I, you know, I look at software, like how many clicks does it take me to get to where I want to go? Like, I'm like going click, sure. click, 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 yeah. click, you know, it's like 45 clicks later, I found like, oh my goodness, like, has anybody thought about the friction of the clicks? 
Yeah, yeah. And so I can get pretty obsessive about that sort of thing. So anyway, yeah. So if you guys listen to this, I encourage you to avoid, you know, the Franken products if you can and look at stuff that integrates, that works really well. Blue Mortgage is fantastic. Check out bluemortgage.ca. Blue has no E in it. Oh, Tom yeah. and his team are awesome. A lot of mortgage brokers I know, top brokers are using his platform and loving it because of once it gets set up, it's extremely powerful. So check them out. And thanks again, Tom, for chatting with me. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. Hopefully you got some inspiration from my conversation with Tom as well as Kate. I absolutely love getting to meet interesting people from different places with different perspectives because it's all just fuel to help me make a better business. Hopefully you get some fuel for your business too. If you haven't done this yet, go follow me on Instagram as well as YouTube. We've started putting up videos as well as doing short form content. And it's all new for me as I've been doing podcasting now for many, many years or seven or eight years. But this video stuff is something I should have done years ago and now we're doing it. So I'm excited about that. Go check it out and uh, shoot me a note if you have any ideas for future shows. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.